Hi, coaches. Thanks for joining me for another bonus episode of the ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast. Today, my interview is with Dr. Tommy Valentini. Tommy is the head men's tennis coach at Gustavus Adolphus, but is also a professor of sports ethics. He is currently undefeated in conference play, 95 and 0, in his 11 years as a head coach. In this podcast, we discuss why teaching the sport of tennis alone is not enough to build the character of an individual or team, what he learned from the legendary Dr. Steve Wilkinson, and how coaches can build a winning program on a strong foundation of exemplary sportsmanship. Plus, we cover a lot of other interesting topics, so I hope you enjoy this discussion. Tommy Valentini, thank you for joining me on another episode of the ITA College Coaches Podcast. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's been it's been uh, fun and um, you know incredibly helpful listening to these and and uh, so thanks for the work you're doing to put them together and and uh, I'm grateful to to be a part of the conversation. So thanks for having me. No, oh, thank you, Tommy. And we obviously recently did a, a masterclass on sportsmanship and ethical decision making, and, and you answered. Uh, you know, several questions there, and we're going to get into that topic uh, a little bit today, amongst other things. But um, glad we can extend that conversation beyond just the masterclass. So, going to take you back to your your junior days, and you're going through the process of where you're going to play your college tennis. So, tell us what was it about Coach Steve Wilkinson that made you interest in taking your talents to to Gustavus as a junior tennis player? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it was about taking my talents anywhere at that point, <laughs> Dave, but um, um, I, I grew up playing uh, hockey and tennis. Um, you know, as I got into my teen years, I kept both of those sports going all the way through high school. And and uh, when I made the decision to, to let go of hockey, um, which was a tricky one coming out of Northern Minnesota, um, when I made that decision, then I was sort of exploring if I, if I wanted to continue with tennis in college. And, um, as, as it became clear that I wanted to keep playing and, and I felt like I, I could, you know, improve more if I, if I played in college and, and was still very much looking to be a part of a team atmosphere and have the, the tennis be a part of my education, um, from there, the decision was pretty, uh, pretty straightforward to come to Gustavus and, and play for coach Wilkinson. Um, a couple things really impacted that I, I, I was lucky to start, uh, my high school tennis career being coached, um, uh, by a, a great high school coach named Lee Kruger up in Duluth and, uh, uh, played two years for him and then, um, transferred schools and played for another outstanding high school coach named Kurt Bartell. Um, and both of those guys had played for coach Wilkinson at Gustavus. And so, uh, from, an, you know, from a, my junior high years, I was, I was, you know, coached and mentored by people who had played for coach Wilkinson. Um, and when I, when I decided to let go of baseball, uh, you know, about 13, 14, whatever age that was, and I was talking with with uh, with Lee uh, at that time about what the next steps would be for me um, if I wanted to kind of give tennis more of a of a shot than than just the high school playing in the occasional tournament here or there. What would that look like? And his his response was, "Well, you're going to go to tennis and life camps down at Gustavus." And so, at about 14, you know, or 15, I, I went to to TLC for the first time, and that's where I met Coach and um, and his wife Barb, and and became a part of you know the type of atmosphere that he had created and kind of 
felt that in my bones for the first time and, and, you know, got a, a exposure to his philosophy and, and what they were trying to do. And it changed the whole world for me. I mean, I, I, I felt like I fit in incredibly well there. Um, and it just started to really, whether, whether I had the language for it or not at that time, you know, really started to shape a lot of the questions and, and, uh, and, and ways of thinking that I still am pursuing now. Um, you know, I don't know, 25 years, years later. Um, and so when I had the opportunity to, to, to come to Gustavus and be a part of the program here, I, I had, I had, you know, felt, um, strongly about, about what it was meaning to me as a, as a, you know, teenager and a junior player. So I think just to have the opportunity to be a part of that, um, in a more significant way in, in college was, was made it, you know, the, the, the choice for me for sure. Okay. I didn't realize you were interacting with, with coach Wilkinson at such an early age. And, yeah. and, uh, I know he's had a, a, a huge influence on, on you and your life and your profession, but at what point did sportsmanship and ethics become important to you? And how did that influence your approach to competition as a, as a college player? Well, I think, um, you know, a lot of this was sort of bouncing around, um, in, in, in my head as a junior player. Um, and certainly after, you know, I had, I had met coach and been around him for the first time, but so much of sports growing up for me was just about, about proving right. And about, um, there was so much attachment in, in the hockey world for me, I was a goaltender. Um, there was so much attachment, uh, of, of the results, um, and my level of play to how I felt about myself as a person and, and, uh, and how I viewed myself. And so, um, you know, I, I think I struggled definitely early on in, in both hockey and tennis to kind of wrestle with that idea <laughs> and, and, um, and the toll it kind of took on me and, and the challenges that it, it presented. And so, um, I think it started less with worrying about, or thinking even about sportsmanship early on, I, I, you know, I feel like I was always taught to treat other people the way I would like to be treated. But then, you know, that, that sort of goes out the window when you, when you bring results into play, it, it, it's such a primary way when you're, when you're young. And, and so, um, that was really the first of starting to think about it. And, And it came into, to, to a little bit sharper focus um, when coach started to make us think about sportsmanship and the way we treated others as something that was within our control, whereas results and, and performance um, despite the fact that we want to win and play well all all the time um, are something that are outside of our control. And so kind of when I first, he first started talking uh, about this idea that we, if we're going to attach, ourselves to anything that we do when we, when we play and when we compete, it ought to be how we treat other people, certainly not to, to, to how we perform or whether we win or not, because those things are outside of our control. So I think, you know, end of high school and certainly moving into college, that's where, where this became a part of the the thinking and things that I was thinking about and exploring, but certainly, you know, didn't, didn't have the language for it at that point, but that's when it, it started to, that's when I think it first started to occur to me that, that, what we were doing here was potentially about more than just winning and losing and, uh, and playing well. And, and, and that was, uh, you know, exciting for me, but also very challenging because then there was a lot to, to rethink and deal with and sort through and let go of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It must've been an adjustment for you coming from a sport like ice hockey where <laughs> it 
quite aggressive and and uh some fights are breaking out and then <laughs> yeah. you're 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 asked to um you know conduct yourself in, in a way that is quite contrary to well ice hockey but even how many college players i guess conduct themselves right was so was that a difficult transition the, the things that coach was trying to teach you guys was it tough to buy into it, it, i mean i think it's just an ongoing process i think um it, it was it, it's it's pretty countercultural right no matter what what sport you're talking about you know all sports you know or just in the context of tennis or college tennis um so i think it was it was i think the the first piece of the puzzle is sort of in your brain, you know, intellectually or cognitively getting your mind around this idea, right? That this is the philosophy and this is how we're going to do things. And we're going to prioritize these values that are within our control above whether we win or lose. Right. And our, and the culture is just so driving into us from an early age that, you know, yeah, people will tell you, go out and do it the right way. Or, you know, you know, you gotta you know, go I'll give you a pat on the shoulder and say, yeah, go out there and be a good sport kid. But we don't get a lot of detail or training on how to do that. And it's kind of like this nice byproduct if it happens, right. If you win and you, and you also were a good sport along the way, then that was great. You know, but if, 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 you know, you win and it got a little testy out there, you can just say, well, I'm competitive and he's competitive. And we were, you know, we're getting after each other in the moment, but you know, we, we left it all out there, that kind of thing. And so it's a lot of processing in your, you know, to initially just get your head around it. But then it's a whole nother level when, you know, you're trying to crack the lineup or you're trying to win conference championships or national championships or whatever it is. And so um, it, 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 then it becomes when it becomes put into practice in real life and you're actually being coached and, and taught about uh these things in real time, um, you, you know, uh, th then, then it's a whole nother level. And I think that's where he, um, you know, really made a big impact on us. We, we, we were aware of it, you know, as we'd have conversations off the court, but we were also, it was also a, a you know, pretty fundamental piece of what was going on when we were practicing and playing. And, and so I think that's kind of where it got to, to another level. And then I think the biggest piece of the, the understanding or even, you know, belief, and thinking that way and trying to do it when you're playing was just was watching him. Right. I mean, I think as a coach, you know, I think he, I think he's still the winningest coach in the history of college tennis. Um, and at the time we were playing for him, he was one of the best players in the world, his age. Um, so he was very, very competitive as a player still. And so being able to, to watch him coach us and interact with us and then also see him play and see what he was doing there. Um, he was, he was really doing his best to, to, to live it himself. And so that I think was, you know, in tennis and in life was, was maybe the most significant thing for us was being able to really just see his example and what he was modeling and how, you know, true he tried to stay to, to that. I, I he certainly didn't get it right and wasn't perfect at it, uh, but he'd been practicing for a long time by the time we got to him. And so um, it was really, uh, uh, that was, that was maybe the biggest thing in influencing us, influencing us to see like, this is this is a real thing that's possible. Um, and we have a, a, a picture of what it potentially can look like. Mm -hmm. And then can you maybe speak a little bit about how he's influenced you as a coach now and, and not even how you're maybe conducting practices or how you conduct yourself on, on a dual match day, but, but in all facets of the job, what are some of the things that have really stuck with you? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is in all facets for sure. For me, I mean, I'm, I was so heavily influenced by him. I also had, you know, was, was fortunate to, to be a part of, of some other programs as well. I, I worked with um, Scott Jacobson at the university of Nebraska on the women's side who has been there for a long time. And he had a really big influence on me as a dear friend and mentor and, and, you know, someone who also, you know, believes in, um, you know, making, help helping use the experience to make better people, not just better players, um, and more, more compassionate people. And then, and then I was really lucky to work with, uh, Amy Bryant, um, at, uh, at Emory as well. And again, and just another dear friend and mentor who, you know, really prioritizes the, the, the team culture and, and, uh, you know, the, the things that go beyond winning and losing. So I, I was really shaped by my experiences there as well. And, you know, I think about, coach Wilkinson, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to those two coaches and I'm grateful to him because it it was really for him, the level of intentionality, I think, um, that, that played a big role, um, in, in terms of just going about all areas of, of coaching. He was a really precise thinker. Um, and he was really clear on, on what he was trying to do and, uh, um, and just deeply, deeply committed to it. And so those things were, were massive. And then just understanding the type of culture that he was trying to create and how it wasn't just practice or a dual match that went into that. It was, it was basically these young people are, uh, an important part of our lives and our, our family's life and, and are a part of our family essentially. And so, um, you know, how we kind of create the culture for our program that, that exists everywhere, um, is really a part of, of their experience. And so, um, you know, I think it was really, uh, that was really influential and impactful for me. And then I think that the other thing that I've said about him a few times that I think really stands out is his, his approach was so unique. I mean, he was really patient. Um, but he was really clear on what the expectations were. And then I think he had this really unique ability. I've called it before, like his double vision. He had this ability to see people, both a team and individuals, um, as where they were at, at a particular time, um, and be able to help them with whatever they, they needed at that time. Sometimes it was, it was an honest conversation that, that they didn't want to hear. Um, but he could, he could get to the heart of what was going on with the person on or off the court in a very clear way and in a very non-judgmental way um, in a present moment while also being able to masterfully hold that moment in tension with what this person was capable of being when they were at their best, uh, even if they weren't at their best at a particular time. And so I think he was able to keep, you know, one eye on both of those things at the same time. And I think he, he, he helped a lot of us through some really challenging particular moments um, because of how present he was, but also because he always treated us as what we were capable of when we were at our best and, and really, you know, inspired us to live into that as often as we could, um, or at least believe in that, in that picture of ourselves. And, and I think that, that part of his approach, maybe more than anything, his ability to do that um, was, was, was incredible. And, and really, you know, I'm one of, thousands who got to experience being being treated that way so and tommy how do you think he went about developing that skill set or how have you gone about trying to 
cultivate or, or mimic that? Have you any advice for coaches? Yeah. I mean, I think we're, everybody's different, you know, I mean, as closely aligned, um, as, as you know, my philosophy as a coach would be to his, I mean, I usually just call it our philosophy. Um, they're so closely aligned. I mean, I think, uh, as, as, as closely aligned as they are, you're also, you're just different people, right. And you connect with people in different ways. So I think obviously being, being true to who you are and, and what your strengths and gifts are, um, is really important. But I think having a sense of what, your philosophy is, um, I, I think really in three key areas, number one, how, how you want to work with people and how you want to be engaged in, in, in relationships with them. For, for us, it was always to take the positive approach. Um, it was always to see the best in others. It was always to help them see the best in themselves, um, and find whatever positive things are happening in a situation and, and, and focus on those and obviously not be blind to anything that's not to the standard that we want it to be, but, but, um, to approach people from, from the positive perspective, I think is, is a really big part of it. And then the other two things I think are just being really clear about what your, your philosophy is about competition. Um, what, what are we doing here in the first place? Um, I think if you get some clarity, um, and, and not like you're ever going to decide, uh, for once and for all, what you think about that, it, you know, being open to, to that evolving, but, having some understanding of, of what it means to compete and what we're doing here in the first place and what the, the big picture, you know, goal is. And he was, he was always great at saying, this is not a four year process. We don't take someone, you know, and, and start cold on day one and just see how far we can get them in four years. This is, um, we're a part of, of, of these, these young people's whole life journeys. And sometimes it takes 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 50 years for someone to really understand um, and, and get a grasp on and be grateful for and be ready to live out the values of our program. And that's, that's okay. That's, that's just where people are at sometimes. And you just keep, keep doing the best you can, but, but that stems from, from, you know, your philosophy of what we're doing in the first place and where competition fits in. And then the last thing is just a clear sense of, of what the most important values are to us in our, in our culture. And he was, you know, really great at, at helping us identify those. And, you know, for us, it's the choice to give your best. It's the choice to choose to be positive and the choice to, to have great sportsmanship. And we feel like if we, if we help people understand and learn those three things, um, which we call the three crowns in our program, um, then we feel like, you know, we're doing something that matters and it's, it can help them play better tennis, but also going to help them, you know, and everything else they do. And so that, that was that goal of, of sort of transcending just what happens on the court. Um, he was very clear about, and I hope we're, we're clear about too. Great. And so a lot of coaches won't know that you're also a professor, Tommy. So you, you, you teach sport eth sports ethics in the philosophy department at Gustavus. What is some research or learnings you've come across in this world over the last several years that you apply to your role as a college coach? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fortunate um, to have the opportunity to be a part of a great department at Gustavus and the philosophy department and to be the, the Wilkinson uh, endowed professor of, of sport ethics here. So it's, it's really a dream come true to be able to, to not only, um, you know, coach, it, where it matters most to me in the program where I was raised, but also, you know, and, and have dear friends and, and connections and, and, you know, really uh, brothers and family members. Um, but also to be able to, to explore these ideas and, and work with Gustavus students and, and come at it from the, the faculty side is just 
beyond my wildest dreams. So, um, in, in the context of doing that, I mean, I think we, we, we spend a lot of time thinking about and reading about and, you know, d- discussing and, and writing about what, what is sportsmanship, what is competition, um, you know, w- answering and looking at, you know, different approaches to some of those big picture questions. Um, and also I think my, my research is, is most focused on how, if we are convinced that we want sports to matter at a level beyond winning and losing, and we want, you know, young people or people of any age to, to, to gain, uh, values or, you know, any of the fancy to, to, you know, to develop their character as a result of, of, of doing a sport. Right. Um, anecdotally, I, I feel like we think that happens, but, but the research is fairly conclusive that, you know, um, that connection is not automatic. It can go either way. You, you, you learn what you get taught. I mean, the, the sport doesn't do the teaching. Um, it puts us in a context to be taught certain, certain values. Um, and those can either improve or detract from our, our moral functioning really. And, and so I think my research focuses on how do we create cultures um, in teams and programs that would allow us to be more intentional in, in pursuing those goals. Right. And, and, um, so that's, that's, that's a real fun part of, of, uh, of what I get to do. Yeah. Can you maybe expand on that a little bit more? And we d- did discuss that in the master class as well, but why is sport alone, not a great teacher? And, and, and in fact, be, it can be actually a little detrimental mm-hmm. to character development. I mean, that you just don't hear that, but you and I know it. we've experienced it. We've seen different sides of it as a, as a coach, as a player, as a parent now seeing, seeing what's going on. Yeah. Um, so can you, can, you know, really want to get the point across, I guess, to coaches that it's not enough just to put them out there and practice and in in a match situation it's not necessarily just going to sink in you have to be extremely intentional about it can you expand a little bit more on that yeah i i think this is not always something that we're thrilled about hearing right i mean as parents we would love to just be able to drop our kids off at at under six soccer and and just you know know with 100 percent certainty they're going to learn you know when I talk to groups, I tell them, you know, what are all the things you learn from, from doing sport right, right off the hop, right. And it's dedication and discipline and determination. And they'll throw all the cliches out teamwork and skill, and they'll build self-confidence and, you know, all these great things. And, and we know that that, that can happen and often does happen. And it, and it probably happened for you and, and for me and for most of our coaching colleagues, because we've been inspired to go into the world of coaching to help share those things. Right. And so um, for a lot of people, it does happen, but it's not automatic. And um, you know, we're really at the end of the day, these are just dumb games that, that we invented at somewhere along the line because we were bored and we were looking for something to do. Not certainly because we were looking for a, a primary means of, of building people's you know, character or building a, a, a community's character. Um, we attach that to it because uh, it does happen sometimes and we feel great when it happens. Um, but, but there's nothing that, that in, in, in the sport, I mean, tennis maybe most uniquely has one of the best cracks at it because of the way that we um, you know, have to officiate ourselves in most cases, uh, um, you know, you can look at golf, you can look at some other areas, but, but really it, 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 the sport's not the teacher. Um, the, the teachers are the teachers, um, and our, and our, our 
teammates are the teachers um, and our cultures are the teachers uh, way, way more than, than the sport itself. And so I think we let ourselves off the hook a little bit too much when we think just by playing, we're going to develop these certain traits that, you know, maybe players we've admired or teams we've admired have developed. Um, but really it, it, it has to be done intentionally if, if, if we want it to be more than a, a hit and hope, you know, um, if, if we're not just, going to get lucky, uh, because we're around, a, a you know, a, a, a certain coach with certain attributes that, that, you know, gets fortunate to be able to, to, to translate those to the people that the coach works with. Um, we've got to do some things, you know, much more on purpose if, if we want to be sure that these things are going to happen. And so just thinking about how we create the culture and, and what the behaviors are that we're looking for and, and, and to help with some of the understanding, behind those behaviors. And, and, you know, a lot of things of the kind, I think is really a huge part of what we do. And, and like I said, I, in my, my, hopefully in my work, but in my research too, we, we try to, to get at, you know, what those, what those things are and how we do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if, if I go back to my days as a coach, Tommy, and, and most of the, the coaches I played against are great sportsmanship, but every so often you'd come across a coach who sportsmanship was, was quite poor, whether it's, you know, how they um, put in their lineup, um, how they maybe look the other way on a bad call, how they treat officials, um, just uh, you know, their, their maybe behavior in general. And then after the match, they'd kind of, uh, say, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just so competitive or, or I'm just so passionate. And why maybe Tommy, is that not a good excuse for poor behavior? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing I'd say is, is no matter how intentional you are with these things, um, and again, this, this is maybe another <laughs> something that we may, maybe don't want to hear, but that th this kind of work. And if, if you prioritize, you know, helping your players learn these things, not only the behaviors, but, but the reasoning behind the behaviors, um, it's something that I think we often want to cross off and, and, and say, okay, we've done it. We check the sportsmanship box for the day or the year or the, the match or whatever it is. And then let's get back to, you know, you know, figuring out if, if, if inside out or inside in with the forehand is going to be the answer against this, this particular opponent. Right. And, and I mean, I think it, it just, the, the research is, is pretty, you know, leads, leads to this as well. But I think this kind of work is constant. It, it's, it's not, it's hard, it's hard and it takes time and it takes patience and no matter how intentional you are with it, people in your, in your program and in your community are going to mess it up. Right. I mean, we, we, we're, I'm pretty clear that we're intentional about this in our program and we've had, we've had disasters, you know, um, and guys who maybe aren't ready to, to understand it or absorb it. Um, and sometimes those are, you know, some of the most challenging conversations, but some of the most important moments for, for, for learning. But again, you're just hoping they're going to be on the journey and on the path and they're going to keep doing the best job they can. But just like you, you may have a player who can't hit a top spin serve or can't hit an underspin backhand. Um, some people aren't wired for this stuff st straight away. And it, and it's, it's a constant process of, of working on it and, and evaluating it and, and trying to, to help, help them all evolve and help your group evolve. So I think the, the first part of it is, 
you know, thinking of it in those terms, right? Rather than just this binary way of saying, well, this, these people are, are jerks and these people get it right all the time. And, you know, we know that going in and we know, you know, um, it really is a, is a constant, you know, and I think really primary piece of, of the equation of what we're doing and, and, you know, people who you have developed trust with, um, you know, may not get it right all the time and, and, and people or opponents who you haven't developed any trust with, you know, and you're going on what you hear from others, um, they may surprise you, you know? So I think it's, it's, uh, that, that's the first part, but I think that's important to be clear on is, is you don't ever get to a plateau here and you're right where you want to be and it's great. And your program's going to be there for the next three decades, right? You constantly have new people coming in and you have other people going out and, 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 all the elements are constantly in motion. So, but I think with that in mind, um, we really believe and, 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 and I was taught, uh, that you can do, you can play at a high level and you can conduct your, your, your program with a high level of, of sportsmanship and care for others and, um, essentially play in a, in a just manner. Um, and that that's ultimately the goal, right? Like I, I, I think, culturally we we wind up you know um with this idea that it's an either or thing right either you want to win and you're chasing the titles and you're trying to play at the highest level you can possibly play at or you care about how you treat others right mm-hmm. and or you care about conducting yourself in a in a sportsman like fashion right and i think that's the first thing we have to get over is this thinking that those two things are mutually exclusive in fact if we if we do it the right way they they fit together quite nicely. Right. Because in competition, it's, it's really, it's really a with word. It's not a, it's not an against word The the, the COM prefix comes from the Latin and it means with, right. And so we're questioning or we're striving with whomever we're out there uh, on, on the court with at a particular time or whatever team we need each other. We can't play the game without each other. We can't play the dual match of the other team. I mean, trust maybe more clear now than ever teams have gone over a calendar year between dual matches. You've played against yourselves enough times in practice. You start to realize the need for the opponent um, to be a part of, of the equation. Right. And so um, this idea that we need each other to, to really, allow the most difficult questions of ourselves to be asked. Um, that's at the forefront of, of what's going on. Not that we, we need this opponent to get in or around or over or through and sort of this, this means to an end of whatever trophy or championship or thing that we're trying to get to on the other end. It's actually about the experience that we share with, with, with the other. And um, I think once we can frame it that way, we realize we want to be pushed. We want it to be as competitive as possible, right? Um, we want we want the biggest, most challenging set of circumstances and obstacles that can be provided for us because that's where we learn the most. That's where we grow the most. That's where you know competition serves us the the, the best, and and vice versa for for the opponent. So um, we can do that. We can get after it. Um, but but how we treat each other in the process, I think, is really important. How, how do you treat the people in, in your life that you need that are most foundational to you living the life that you want to live? Um, I think if we treat a, think of opponents that way, what as most foundational to our experience in college tennis, that 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 reshapes things a little bit in terms of our of our thinking. So um, I think it's very possible. And I think, um, you know, that's the ultimate goal. But I also think, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before even if you don't care about the values 
of our program or any program, even if you're not worried about, about sportsmanship and all you want to do is play tennis at the highest level that you can play it at. Um, the best way I know how to help people do that. And I think a lot of coaches would, would say the same is um, to focus on the things that you have control over. Right. And, and, and sportsmanship and, and the living into your values is one of those things winning and losing is not. And so I think when we put so much focus on winning, I mean, sports psych, 101 is kind of like if you want to lose a lot spend all your time thinking about how you have to win um and and you know that it usually isn't the most helpful way to perform well either and mm -hmm. so this is this this focus on you know these values that you that that are oftentimes very difficult but are possible at all times for for you to live into um is a much more effective way to compete well as well uh and, and that was something that you know, initially hearing and thinking about from coach Wilkinson was sort of mind blowing, but, you know, it just didn't make sense and add up to what the culture was, was giving us. But over time, I think, you know, we, we've seen enough guys in our program, but, but across all programs and all sports that once they can let go of this, this need to win and need to prove and, you know, need to show how good they are, um, and are a little bit more vulnerable about the fact that we don't have control over the results, even though we want to win, um, and, and, and are willing to put the focus on something else that, that we argue matters more. Well, then um, it is also a way to, to play a little bit better, we think. Mm. And so, Tommy, if I'm a, a young coach listening to this and sportsmanship is important to me, but I haven't necessarily been intentional about how that was going to weave into my philosophy and, and my kind of day to day life as a college coach. What are maybe some starting points for, for a college coach that does want to be a lot more intentional about these matters? Well, I think, you know, first of all, try to just do some thinking or some writing or some, you know, oftentimes more than either of those. It's, it's discussion with coaches that you respect and people that you respect or, or maybe people that you would consider exemplars that you, you think maybe are, are doing it right, whether they're intentional or not, they're, they're kind of a model of what you'd like it to look like and just have conversations about what they, what they do and, and, and try to pick their brain a little bit. Um, and ultimately try to have some clarity on what your philosophy is. What, what are you doing there in the first place? What, 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 why did you get into coaching? You know, why do you want to work with people this age and, and what do you hope they, they leave with when they leave your program, right? If you can kind of have a sense of that, then you can start going back to trying to put the pieces in play to help you help you get there. Um, but have some, some sort of thinking and, and idea of what, what your big picture looks like in that area and then try to get to focusing on some of the behaviors that that will in the short term get you there over time. Right. And so, you know, if you are, how do you want to deal with line calls, um, you know, as as a coach um, and how do you want your players to deal with line calls? You know, that's it's it's a real basic thing. How do you want to respond? How do you how do you understand um, any negative behavior you show toward yourself as communicating um, to an opponent? Right. Um, oftentimes we think, oh, I'm just, you know, back to one of your earlier questions. Oh, I'm just being hard on myself. I'm just competitive. That's why I smash rackets and hit balls out of the stadium and freak out and yell and scream and swear. Well, yeah, perhaps there, there's some defending of one's own ego and those behaviors. And you are thinking about only yourself, but understanding that something like that really communicates to, to the person on the other side. Hey, if I didn't stink today, you wouldn't have won anything. Right. And, and, and how would it feel if, if credit was being taken away from you? Um, whether intentionally or unintentionally, if, if you were the one 
playing well or doing the winning that day. Right. And so um, trying to think about how, what those behaviors are in your program and how they influence um, the way that you communicate your philosophy, I think is, is probably the, the, the first place to start. Um, and, and these behaviors are wide ranging. It's from practice to matches. It's with officials. It's with, you know, um, um, everybody, administrators, colleagues, you know, you, you name it. Um, one of the early lessons I learned from, from Jake at Nebraska in my, in my first year was, um, you know, if we're in the, the, the rental car station after a long flight, um, and, and there's a mix up with our car, uh, or our van, uh, all of our players are in there waiting and they're, they're, they're watching how I, as a coach interact with the person at the rental car, you know, counter, um, and that's impacting them as well. And so just this understanding of, of you're always, this, this is always in play. Um, um, and then, and then what do you want it to look like from there? I think, but, but conversations are usually, I would say the best place to start. And I think that's one of the best parts about college tennis is just the relationships we have with, with each other as coaches and how much learning, you know, really, really takes place there. I mean, I, I couldn't be more grateful for, like I said, not only the coaches I've been lucky to work, work with, but just the ones I've, I've met along the way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and to your your example about the player hitting the ball over the fence, and my example about the coach just saying, "Hey, I'm you know sorry about that. I'm just a you know I'm a tough competitor and I'm passionate." Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite insulting, right? Because it's it's like, oh, am, am I not passionate? Am I not competitive as a coach? Because I didn't act like that. And and sometimes I almost feel like Tommy, um, you know, there's this almost expectation from fans in the stands sometimes or parents it's like because I was very um I was very low-key as a coach I wasn't you know I wasn't this boisterous I wasn't going to be arguing with officials things like that and and sometimes it's like well is is does does coach not care right you know and and is why why isn't he as into it as the other coach mm-hmm. and it's like no I'd argue I'm more into it I'm more present I'm more focused I'm more disciplined uh, I'm setting a better example um you know but but it's almost we feel that we've seen the clips of the Bobby Knight you know or right you know, these, these, these coaches that have, have won at the highest levels. And, and sometimes we look to them as examples, or you see uh, the sidelines on the NFL and the guys jumping up and down and screaming. It's like, oh, well, I guess that's how a, how a coach is supposed to act. And if they don't, they're not really doing their job. So ha- how would you encourage coaches to, I guess, avoid those societal pressures? It, it, it's tough. I mean, I think, like, like I said, it's, it's, um, it's important to be true to who you are as, as a person, um, and, and, and sort of how you're, you're wired. But I think no matter how each of us is wired from, from the inside, um, you know, I think it, it comes down to what are we communicating to the, to the people that are, are in our program and, and, and even to the others that we're competing with. And I think, you know, to me, it's really, it's really, um, you know, well, I think I would have loved to have, to have played for you. You know, that, that, that's how our coach was. And I think there were, there were times where, where even as players, we, we thought the same thing, right. We're like, what, what's he, how come he's not making, you know, getting into it more on this particular thing? How come he seems like it's not bothering him? How come he's, you know, over there, you know, sweeping the, the, the pine straw off the back of that court when I'm over here needing him to be advocating for me. Right. Like in, and, and really he, he was incredibly, 
present, um, but he was doing a couple things. He was communicating trust in us, right? That, that, that we were prepared and we could handle these situations without him there needing to yell at a referee in order for us to, to, you know, have the best look at things. Um, but also I, I feel like we're constantly trying to ask our people to let go of what's outside their control and handle adversity uh, and welcome it and and be okay with being uncomfortable and vulnerable. And I think as soon as we start to fly off the handle that way, we're just not modeling what we're asking them to to do. And I think for me, if we go back to where we were, you know, a half hour ago, the most powerful thing that that the the most influential coach and person in my life did was was model this under not just easy circumstances, but difficult ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it was a, a tough call that, that may or may not have cost us a national championship. Um, he was that calm. He was that, you know, um, positive. He was that, uh, accepting, um, or whether he got a cancer diagnosis, right. That, that, um, you know, gave him nine months to live. I mean, I think it, it, in either of those situations, seeing him, um, respond the way that he did, was he upset? Sure. You know, did, did he, did he, did he like it? No. Was it the, was it the way he would have chosen for it to go? Absolutely not. Um, not on the court, not off the court. Um, but you know, understanding that, that, you know, he had taught a lot of people to, to, to try to do it this way. So he, he was responsible for it and just to live out the, the, the values that were most important to him. Um, and I think we have an ability to do that. Not, not all of us are going to be in national championship matches or, get a, a cancer diagnosis tomorrow, but we all have those opportunities every, every, every match, right. Every day at practice. Um, and I I've had guys, you know, in, in some of the biggest matches ever, you know, uh, step onto their court and, you know, they're, they're, they're getting pretty hot. And I've had a guy yell at me in the middle of the match saying, you never argue with an official, you never stick up for us. You never, you know, blah, 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 blah. and, and, uh, you know, I think, after the match in a conversation, you know, I tried to present to him what you just presented a few minutes ago, right. Um, that, uh, not only is that not how, how I would want, you know, how, how I would want to react or want them to react, but also I'm trying to give us the best chance I can here. And, and, you know, losing my mind over things that are outside of, of my control in the context of a match, you know, as countercultural as it may seem, or as weird as it may seem in the moment, doesn't really give us a better, a better chance to, to even, win, you know, as it, as it stands. So, um, and I just think being competitive, you know, it goes back to that question, like, what does that really mean? Right. And if, if we have a, maybe a little bit of a, of a more nuanced or thoughtful approach to what that means, that really impacts whether or not you whip that chair across the the court, right. Or you go after that official or you, you know, um, you know, get, get, fly off the handle at a particular situation. I, I, I just, I don't buy that. That's the way that you show that you care. In fact, I think it takes, it takes more courage in a lot of situations we find ourselves in to, to choose to be calm and do things to help you be calm and, uh, um, and, 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 you know, live out your values. Even if, if, if the call is bad or the whatever doesn't go the way you want it to go. Well, Tommy, it's a fascinating discussion. I think we could go all day here, but we'll get into our rapid fire round. Right. So what, what is a book that made a major impact on you as a coach? Oh, well, my coach's book, Let Love Serve, I'd have to say for sure. Um, but, you know, the inner game of tennis has been very foundational, you know, um, 
from a philosophical and a, and just a pedagogical standpoint. And then, um, for my research, I'd say, uh, a book called after virtue by, by, a uh, philosopher named Alsdair McIntyre, when I hit it in grad school, gave me kind of the language to get at some of these things, this sort of both andedness of, um, how we can try to win stuff and be excellent and excel and, you know, perform at, at as high of a level as we possibly can while also still prioritizing, um, you know, values that, that matter. Um, I think that was, that was a big one for me. Um, and, uh, right now it's probably how to be an anti-racist by, by Ibram X. Kendi that's impacting coaching maybe more than anything. Very good. What is your favorite drill to do at your team? Oh boy. Um, I don't know if it'd be our guy's favorite drill, but you know, we, we spend a lot of time working on doubles and we have one we just call hardball where we put the net man, uh, one racket length or less from from the net and uh and he feeds uh some lollipop feeds to the guy at the baseline and he and he just kind of tees off at him um and and just to kind of work on the reflexes and being comfortable with you know how uncomfortable it can be to be close when a guy's teeing off on you back there so i think that's maybe one that uh we do a lot that over time you know i think has been impactful for guys um they don't always smile when we call that one out at practice um and i certainly don't always smile when it's an odd number if i have to jump in there as as the net man in practice they like to take some cuts at uh at the old man but but uh that's been one that 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 we've enjoyed yeah is there one thing you've changed your mind on in recent years whether it's coaching or in life oh boy yeah hopefully something every day um uh if 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 all if all goes well um uh i'd say maybe uh maybe no ad scoring <laughs> and uh in tennis and uh probably i'd say most recently eating meat in life we'll say those two okay good stuff what is your favorite quote or do you have one? Oh man um yeah i think probably for us uh yeah, it would be the serenity prayer. You know, God grant us the serenity, accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and there was no difference. And we've talked a lot about this, uh, but, but what is one lesson you hope your players will have learned by the time they graduate? Oh, man. Um, well, I, I guess I would say that, right? I mean, let go of what we can't control and focus on what we can um and so i'd say for us specifically that would be to try to let go of you know the results and and the the pressure to prove and the performance and try to focus on you know figuring out what your best is and how to give it and and uh figuring out what the positive choice is and and how to make it and then just treating others you know the way they would like to be treated Um, not just the way that that you would like to be treated but the way they would um and i just think i I said recently to someone else if i could wave one magic wand um it wouldn't be to necessarily to win more or even to to help our guys get those things i just mentioned right all the time it'd be just to help them understand that they are not their results that's not who they are as a person i think the thing that maybe changed the whole world for me really was when i when i really deeply understood that um i was coached by someone who loved me whether i won or lost whether i played well or played poorly um just for just because i was me um that that was it um and i was a part of of our family and our our community and 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 i belonged and that mattered um i didn't belong because i was good at, at tennis i didn't belong because um you know i won a lot or played well or had a great forehand or whatever it was um 
was working on those things for sure. And I hope, I hope all of our guys do, but I think more than anything, it's just to let go of that attachment to, to, to the winning and the playing well, and just, just relax and, and, uh, you know, let it happen from there. And if we're going to be defined by anything, let's try to be defined by how we, how we treat other people. I love it.